Everybody, James Knoll here. It is Tuesday, June 2nd. I am recording this in my new studio, Studio X. I have a real quick one for you today. I'm not going to spend a whole bunch of time before the story, so we'll get started right away. First of all, I am part of a group sale. It's a Kindle horror and suspense group promo. There are 28 books to peruse and choose from, all of them in Kindle format, including my series, The Hive, The Complete Collection. The link is way too long for me to read out loud to you, so just follow it in the show notes. It'll be on or under the banner with the scary-looking pumpkin man. This particular promotion goes all the way through July 1st. A quick note on Blood and Gold. Blood and Gold is moving on to its second round of development edits. Chip has given me a ton of excellent advice and guidance, especially when it comes to streamlining the narrative and finding its emotional core. June is for tidying it all up. The book should be ready either in July or August. I'm hoping I'm pushing for July. We'll see. Stay tuned and I'll let you know. And you can pre-order it if you go to my website, jamesknoll.net forward slash BG. I also wanted to thank all the beta readers who read that early draft of Blood and Gold. Your advice is also awesome. Thank you very much for reading it and giving that to me. Lilith, the Lilith movie is looking around for locations and we've narrowed it down to two different spots, one in Stafford, one in Fredericksburg. The schedule is set for sometime in mid-July. I know that seems nebulous, but we're, we're zooming in there. You can still support the project. You can pick up a illustrated version of Prey, which is the short story that Lilith is based on. You can buy a ticket to the premiere, which will be shown locally here in Fredericksburg. And you can even pre-order an HD download. All you have to do is go to LilithFilm.com, and that will also be in the show notes. Now... Let's move into today's chapter of The Rabbit, the Jaguar, and the Snake. In this week's episode, you get to meet Detective Catherine Wheeler, who has the unfortunate luck to be attacked by a Tequani, which was the beast, or is the beast, alluded to in chapter one, The Widow. So here we go, the next chapter of The Rabbit, the Jaguar, and the Snake. This one's called The Jaguar. Wheeler stood topless in front of her spotted bathroom mirror. The scar on her chest had faded so much that she could almost believe that it wasn't there at all. She ran her fingers over it. The skin was dull but smooth. She turned to the left and covered her breast, trying to see it, to imagine what it might look like when it was gone. After a moment, she stopped and faced the mirror again, letting her hands drop to her sides. She stood there for a long time. Later, she was getting drunk at the bar under her apartment, Harvey's, when her asshole alarm went off. It was something on which she prided herself. She wasn't sure how it had gotten so keen. Maybe it was her academy training. Maybe it was the fact that she'd been a woman her entire life. Whatever the case, it was as honed and accurate as ever. And when the guy in the rumpled Banana Republic suit sidled up to the bar next to her, all four alarms rang. Five, if he wasn't wearing socks. She tucked her head down and peered at his feet. The fifth bell rang. He knocked on the bar. Hey, Isaac from the Love Boat. 
Un muy grande cerveza. Pronto. Jesus. She tried to ignore him. She really did. But then Tuan, the bartender, passed by, clearly too busy to pay attention to a racist jerk acting, well, like a racist jerk. And the racist jerk snapped his fingers three times in a row, leaning over the bar as he did so. That wasn't so bad. Well, it was bad, but it wasn't terrible. The terrible part was that he elbowed her arm and made her spill her drink on her jacket. Watch it, dickhead, she snapped. He barely glanced at her. Sorry, honey. This porch monkey ever does his job, I'll buy you a new one. He snapped his fingers again. Hey, 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 hey. Don't bother, Wheeler muttered, and got up to move to a different part of the bar. Crap, it was packed. When had that happened? The place was empty when she got there. She'd been watching a single corp infomercial for, what, an hour? First demonstration of the Viti viewers, then the nimble digits, then the slick-talking head brought in a dozen construction workers and a couple of office suits to demonstrate their newest body mod. Something called barrel arm biceps? They were lifting sofas with one arm, ripping doors off of hinges. Buy now on your mobile device, or better yet, use your single corp cochlear connects and get 10% off our skin tone matching upgrade. That's a $400 deal. That must have been some deal. She lost an hour on it. No, actually, she lost four hours on it. Because when she looked at the clock behind the bar, the one with the pool balls for hours and cues for hands, it was almost 10. No wonder the asshole was being so aggressive. He'd probably been drinking as long as she had. Now, he was leaning with his back on the bar, smiling at her. Why so salty, baby? Christ. This wasn't worth it. She could get a bottle and drink at home alone, where nobody would bother her. Fuck off, she said, and started to leave. He grabbed her wrist, and she spun around hard, yanking it out of his grasp. She was about to slam her half-empty tumbler of whiskey into his face, when someone stepped in between them. Luis, the bouncer. He towered over the guy, keeping his muscular back to Wheeler in case she tried to follow through with her punch. Hey, buddy, he said. Nobody's allowed to talk to my regulars like that, not even me. I can handle this myself, Luis. He half turned to her, saying, I'm just trying to cool everybody down, Wheeler. I am cooled down. Uh Uh-huh. Fuck you, Luis. Don't make me kick you out of the bar again. He turned back to the asshole. Are we going to have a problem here? The asshole held up his hands. Whatever, Sanchez. I just want this boy to get me a drink. He turned around, muttering under his breath, something that sounded like, fucking wetback. Luis paused. He'd heard it, and he was trying to figure out the best course of action. Wheeler could tell he wanted to beat the shit out of the guy, but she also knew he had to calculate the danger and the damage. Did he have a weapon? Were any of his friends here? How many glasses would break? How many bar stools? He took a deep breath, flexed his hands, and stepped away. She watched him, dumbfounded, as he walked back to his post by the door. Seriously? She mouthed. He leaned up against the door jam and flicked her off. Wheeler turned her attention back to the asshole, who was leaning over the bar, still trying to get Twan's attention by snapping at him. She tossed back her drink, sidled up to him, and wrapped her arms around his chest. I think I'll take that drink now, she purred letting her lips graze his earlobe. Yeah, I bet. What do you want? How about... Pappy Van Winkle. (laughs) Not a chance. How about some old fits? She fondled his tie. Jack Daniels? I'll think about it. Wheeler flagged down Twan. He purposely didn't make eye contact with the asshole. What do you want, Wheeler? She handed him her empty tumbler and gave him a look. Right, he said. Your usual. 
He grabbed a bottle off the rail and put it down on the bar in front of her. Then he turned around to look for a clean glass. You gotta be fucking kidding me, the asshole said. Hey, Sambo, I'm the one who's buying here. Wheeler smiled. She was waiting for him to say something like that. She looped his tie over his hand and yanked. His chin cracked against the edge of the bar. Then she grabbed him by the back of the head and slammed it down. It bounced and he reeled back, his hand covering his nose. Fuck! He yelled. Wheeler spun around in front of him and acted like she was about to give him a hug. Then she brought her knee up into his groin. He keeled over and she grabbed him by the shoulders and shoved, sending him sprawling. By the time Luis made it over, she'd already kicked him in the ribs three times. In the chaos that followed, she grabbed the bottle off the bar and put it in her jacket. She was laughing when Luis scooped her away and carried her to the door. Assholes shouldn't wear ties, she cried. Luis grunted as he threw her out into the street. Are you stupid, he said. How many times I gotta tell you not to do that shit in here? Come on, Luis. The guy was an asshole. He called Tuan a porch monkey. Uh Uh-huh. What you got in your jacket? None of your business? Don't make me hurt you, Wheeler. Fuck off, Luis. He took a step toward her. Wheeler, I swear to God, if you stole another bottle, it's not a bottle. I know what I felt. Yeah, my tits. Not my type. Oh yeah, I forgot. He crossed his arms. You gonna get up and let me see? I thought you said I wasn't your type. He took two more steps forward, but she held out her hand to stop him. Okay, okay, she said. She opened up her jacket, exposing a Glock in a shoulder holster. You brought a gun into a bar? It's not loaded. Besides, I'm a cop. Yeah, well, then you should know better. You saw what that guy was like. Nobody blame a woman for carrying protection. You still can't do that here. Why not? You know why not. I'm banning you. What about that asshole? Don't worry about him. Luis, not now. I've had a shit day, and I've got a whole lot more shit days in front of me. One week. What's the point? I'm just going to come back. The point is so I don't have to put up with your ass. He held up his finger. One week. What are you going to do without me? He pulled the door open, and the sound of the bar, the music from the jukebox, the noise of the customers poured out into the street. Not out to clean up your shit anymore, that's what. She flicked him off as he went back inside. Then she took the bottle of Jack out of the other side of her jacket. Eat shit, asshole, she muttered. Wheeler had always wondered what it was like to get drunk in an alley. She'd lived in the city her entire life, and as a child, she saw plenty of men squatting next to dumpsters, tipping bottles and brown paper bags up to their lips. For a while, the bottles were replaced with pipes. Then the pipes were replaced by needles, and then it all circled back to bottles again. She thought briefly about taking her sorry ass up to her apartment, but she just wasn't ready to do that yet. The mirror was up there, and the letter from the lab. She needed a couple of shots, a couple of stiff belts to steal her nerves so she could face all of the things she was going to have to face. Asking for time off, calling her sister to come and stay with her again, loading up her phone with audiobooks and podcasts. So, she copped a squat against the slimy bricks beneath the fire escape about halfway down the alley. She let her head loll to the left. A dumpster sat at the far end, half in shadows, overflowing with garbage from the bar. A few murky puddles dotted the concrete. No time like the present, she thought, and took a long pull. She rested like that for a while, thinking, I'll just take one more, just one more. But one more became another, and another. The more she drank, the easier she found it to make excuses to stay. I'll just drink till I get to this line on the label. Then a little lower, and a little lower. Soon she wouldn't be able to stand up, let alone make it all the way back to her apartment. And that 
would put her in an even more dangerous situation than she already was. A woman drinking alone in an alley was one thing. A woman passing out in an alley was something entirely different. Not that she cared. Her hand wandered up to her chest. Before she let it go any further, before the tears started to well up, she took a deep breath, let it out, and, still holding the bottle, pressed herself back up against the wall, using the leverage to rise to her feet. The ground tilted, and her vision quadrupled. Yep, she was a lot drunker than she thought. When a functioning alcoholic realized how drunk she was, she was really drunk. Really, really drunk. Good thing the door to her building was maybe 25 yards away. All she had to do was make it out of the alley, turn to the right. Navigating the turn might present issues, but if she could control her legs and maintain a hold on the wall, maybe by leaning on it, what was that noise? She turned around, head bobbing, and squinted into the dark alley. It didn't help. Her vision blurred and doubled, and when it finally came back into focus, she saw a black form hunching at the end. And it was watching her. Shit, she whispered. She smashed the bottle against the bricks and stumbled into the middle of the alley. She swayed there, wondering if she could reach into her jacket and pull out her gun without falling over. If she could, could she click off the safety? Aim? Pull the trigger, even? The black form clicked like an insect, rhythmic and staccato. Never a good sign. Two amber orbs lit up. Also never a good sign. Wheeler pulled her gun out of her jacket, her thumb fumbling with the safety, and backed away, unsteady, hoping to reach the sidewalk before whatever that thing was attacked. The noise of the bar thrummed through the bricks, laughter and loud voices just below the deep base of the jukebox. Save for the odd taxi rushing by, the streets were empty. Nobody would hear her scream. The thing at the other end galloped forward, and Wheeler pulled the trigger. The shot went wide, pinging off the dumpster, and the monster leaped for the wall and stuck there, its talons anchored deep into the bricks. The light of the moon spotlighted it, a headless, muscular thing with two long legs that ended in six-toed talons. It had cannons and hawks turned backwards like a horse's, but instead of a torso, a mouth gaped in its chest. Its eyes were embedded in its muscular shoulders, and its arms reached nearly to the ground. She barely had time to take it in before the thing lunged for her, arms and legs wide, teeth extending as she fired again. It squealed when it hit the ground, then, anticipating the next shot, jumped back to the wall and ran along it, tearing chunks out with each stride. Wheeler followed it the best she could, missing, and when it was five feet away, she turned and ran, but it shot forward and struck her from behind, sending her sprawling on her face. Her gun clattered away. She flipped over just in time to block the beast's teeth with her forearm. She screamed. It bit into her shoulder next, and through the pain she felt something sting her muscle, pumping in and out, over and over. She gathered her rage and plunged the jagged glass of the broken bottle into one of the eyes bulging out of its shoulder. The thing roared and released her, and she scrambled back, searching for the gun. It was right there, just out of reach. She lunged for it, and the beast bit into her thigh and pulled her back with a lurch. Once, twice, and the gun was finally too far away. This was it. This was the way she died. She adjusted her grip on the bottleneck as it dragged her back into the alley, her palm tacky with blood and fluid. If she was going to die, she'd make it pay. Take a deep breath. Count down from three, two, one. Hi, you son of a bitch! Someone yelled, a deep, gruff voice. What you got there? A little toy? The monster released her and spun around, startled. As soon as it did, Wheeler sat up and scrambled back putting as much distance between her and it as she could, which wasn't much. She could barely move. 
Tisk tisk, little Harif, the voice said. Who said you could play on this side of the door? All Wheeler could see was a hooded figure standing in the middle of the alley. It was squat and hunched over and not at all menacing. And though the thing that attacked her bared its predator's teeth, it seemed to have lost a little of its bark. Remember me? The figure asked. No? Maybe this will jog your memory. It removed its cowl and stepped into the light of the moon, revealing the ugliest woman Wheeler had ever seen. A bulbous, misshapen nose loomed over a hairy lip. Heavy eyebrows sat like caterpillars over crooked eyes. Her hair was long, black, and stringy, and she tucked it behind an ear with a missing chunk. The monster growled. Ah, the woman said. You're not trying to throw a scare into a helpless old woman, are you? A cat appeared from under her skirts and wove its way around her ankles. The monster's growl escalated, and it even took a half-step back. The old woman chuckled. (laughs) Scared of my little demon, huh? Scared of a little kitty? You should be. The beast took another step back, growling louder. One more step, and Wheeler might be able to stab it. Blood rushed to her head when she sat up, making her dizzy and ill. She hated the feeling. It made her feel weak, and weakness made her angry. She blamed it on her father, her military upbringing. And with the anger came that old, familiar rush of adrenaline, the same stuff she used to fight off her brothers when they were growing up, and her bastard of a stepfather two years after her mother and father split. She leaned up against the wall and got to her feet, leaning heavily on the bricks. The old crone pinned her down with her eyes. They were glowing yellow, shot through with red. You gonna stab the fucker, or do I have to do everything? The beast spun around like it understood, gnashing its teeth. Wheeler pushed off the wall with her good leg and buried the shard into its other eye. Now completely blinded, the thing squealed and shook its body back and forth, clawing at the glass. It tripped and fell on its back. Then the witch was there. Who said you could eat such a pretty young girl? She pointed at it with two fingers and drew them back and forth quickly. A gash opened up in its midsection, deep and wide. Blood drained under the concrete, and then it was dead. Well, that's done, the witch said. She took a long, ugly knife from inside her sweater and shuffled over to Wheeler. Wait, Wheeler croaked. For what? I'm a cop. So? Call an ambulance. Ambulance? Ain't no ambulance will save you from what this sweet puppy did. Wheeler pushed back with her good leg, trying to escape. She had to make it to the entrance. Maybe someone would see her, help her. She made it about two feet when a cracked leather shoe clomped down next to her head. Then the old woman's face was in hers. Where do you think you're going, pretty? And she struck her in the temple with the butt of her knife. The widow Mrs. Feldman muttered to herself as she finished working, happy that Demon was too preoccupied with the blood to bother her with his mewling. He got so impatient when he was hungry. She didn't blame him. He'd done his part, earned his keep, sang for his supper. She whistled as she sawed through the bone, carefully avoiding the teeth. They held a kind of anesthesia in them, something to numb the area so its victims barely felt the stinger that put the poison. Nasty little swimmies, she muttered. Nasty little beasties. She outlined the thing's torso, plunged her hands into the cut, and pulled the exoshell back, revealing the secret chaos of its dark biology. First, she severed the stinger and threw it away, disgusted. She snapped and it burst into flame. Then she cut off a small hunk of meat and tossed it to Demon, who pounced. Now it was time for the real work. She made a makeshift net out of her skirt and started to cut. And when it was done, it was nearly bursting with organs and meat. She struggled to her feet and tied it into a knot. 
Come on now, demon. That's enough. The cat ignored her and continued to eat. She chuckled. <laughs> You'll ruin your supper. She towed him away, but he circled back to gnaw on a different part. Fine. Have it your way. Then she stooped over, grabbed the monster's foot with one hand and Wheeler's arm with the other, and started to drag them both to the other end of the alley, away from the sidewalk and deeper into the city. In a moment, she started to whistle again, a familiar verse, something she heard over a half-century before. And when she got to the part with the only lyrics she remembered, she began to sing. The ice age is coming, the sun is zooming in, meltdown unexpected, the weed is growing thin, engines stop running, but I have no fear, cause London is drowning, and I live by the river. Demon didn't look up from his meal until the witch had melted into the shadows. He stopped then and meowed, his muzzle red with blood, his blue eyes searching the blackness. She'd be gone soon. Without a second thought, he ripped off a chunk and zipped off down the alley, streaking around the dirty puddles and under the dumpsters. There was more food where the old witch was going, and better. If he didn't catch up to her soon, she might keep it all for herself. She'd done it before. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Don't forget to check out LilithFilm.com, JamesKnoll.net forward slash BG, and you can support this show for as little as $1 on Patreon.com. It's Patreon.com forward slash Mad Tales. You guys rock. I'll see you next week. Hey.